Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Exodus chapter 31. And if you missed the video that we sent out this past week, just want to remind you that beginning next Sunday, July 12th, uh, we are going to have our first morning worship service on the front lawn. So um, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., there'll be a sign-up. Uh, you'll have to register. Uh, that email will be going out tomorrow morning, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, just we're kind of the first hundred that signed up. We're going to start with that one service, and um, and again, there will still be a full digital service as you have been seeing over the last several months. Uh, that will still be streamed on Sunday mornings. Uh, that won't be a live stream of what we're doing outside, but it will be that same format that um, we have had uh, on the digital side. So if you're not ready to come back, no pressure. Uh, there'll still be that um, opportunity for you to worship with us digitally. But looking forward to even starting to make plans now of what regathering will start to look like, and we'll just trust the Lord with it. But this morning, we're going to be covering the second half of chapter 31. Uh, last week, we saw in the first 11 verses um, that if you had to kind of boil down this entire chapter of Exodus, it would be this phrase, work hard and rest well for the glory of God. I mentioned how that's something that um, kind of a, the DNA of our staff here at Grace Church that we uh, seek to embody, um, something that we think all believers can aim to model, uh, to work hard and rest well, knowing that both work and rest at their core point us to the person and work of Jesus Christ in whom we find our ultimate rest. And so last week we went in on working hard, and this week, part two, we will go in on resting well. So would you join with me as we read Exodus 31, verses 12 to 18. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from the, among his people. Six days shall you work, shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. The, the Sabbath, it's a familiar topic for many. There's been a ton of discussion and even disagreement in the church today in terms of this, right? Like, oh, okay, what does the Sabbath mean for today? How strict is it? Is it binding? And it's just amazing how, how quickly we just want to be told, okay, what do I have to do? Or, or what do I not have to do? Just tell me what has to be done. And you'll find people that will say today, well, well, I think the Sabbath is this. And, and others will say, well, no, I, I think it's that. And, and when I was in that life stage, I thought it was more like this. But now I'm on this life stage, and so I think it's more like that. And, and no wonder that when many of us just hear the word Sabbath, 
our heads began to spin based upon all the mixtures of teachings and opinions and discussions that we've heard over the years. And so this morning, I, I just hope to kind of help clear some of the fog that may exist when we think about Sabbath. I, I want to, um, by God's grace, show how the Sabbath is edifying, not confusing, how it is a blessing, not a burden. And so here's kind of how we'll get there, is, 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 that, is that first we want to understand what the Sabbath meant to the original hearers, to Moses who is hearing this, to the nation of Israel to whom he will be sharing this, and then talk about how we in the church are to think about and practice the Sabbath today, okay? So, so we will absolutely get there, but we can't start there. So number one, in this passage, we see clearly the command of rest. Moses is at the very end of his 40-day and 40-night stay atop Mount Sinai, where, where the Lord has provided him with instruction for building the tabernacle. And then at the end, when we get here to chapter 31, he, he tells Moses that he has called and filled Bezalel and Holiab with the Spirit of God to construct the tabernacle, to, right, again, work hard for his glory. And now, the very last thing he tells Moses before handing him the tablets and sending him back down the mountain is, you shall keep my Sabbath. The timing and emphasis of this command highlights it all the more. Think, think about this. Um, if you're having an, an important conversation with someone where um, you have given them a lot of instruction, a lot of things that they need to go and do, isn't it true that the final words you say to them, are the most important. Right, right? Psychology tells us that when we are given a list of things to remember, uh, we are most likely to remember the last thing we heard. And then we're the most likely to remember the first thing we heard. And last, we, uh, it's hardest to remember the things in the middle. So you're given a list of instruction you walk away. You're going to tend to remember what you heard last and then what you heard first and then what you heard in the middle. That what's in the middle might be the most likely to be forgotten. But first words and last words are the most important words. All right, so that's, that's just a free tidbit, right? If you didn't kind of know that, but I think we all kind of inherently do know that. that if you want somebody to remember what you said, focus on first words and last words. But on top of that, of just timing, God also emphasizes, emphasizes the command with this phrase, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Above all what? Above all that I have been saying to you for the past 40 days. Above all the instruction on what the tabernacle is to look like. Above all the people who will build the tabernacle. Above all, make sure the entire nation keeps my Sabbath. This is the commandment of rest. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's not an offer. It's not advice. No, this is a command from the God of the universe. You shall keep 
the Sabbath because it is holy for you. So this is, would be a good point to just be clear, right? Again, aiming for clarity. What is the Sabbath? What, what's, a, what's a working definition of the Sabbath? No pun intended. Well, well Moses and Israel would recall it from um, being one of the, the Ten Commandments or the, the Ten Words, as we call them, back in Exodus chapter 20. The, the kind of overarching moral law for the nation of Israel, kind of the Israel's constitution, if you will. It was the fourth word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Isn't that telling? That of all the work God calls Israel to do, the final, most important command is to remember to do no work. This day is a holy day. It's a day set apart from your work. And it is for you, Israel. This isn't for me. This isn't because God needs it from you. This is for you, This is a blessing. This is a gift. A holy day for you. So that's first. It is a command of rest. But then number two, we see the spiritual purpose of rest. So so we know what God is commanding, but why is He commanding this? And why is breaking the Sabbath punishable by death? Okay, can we just have a moment of honesty between us? Did you notice that in the reading of the text? That, That twice in the passage, God says to Moses, whoever does not keep this command will be put to death. And, and the soul of that person shall be cut off from amongst the people? I mean, can we just be honest? When you first read that, isn't there a little bit in you of like, man, like that's just a little aggressive, isn't it? Like, isn't that just a little bit like, whew, like really, God, that, that feels like a little much. But the reason, if you look back down in your Bibles, at the back half of verse 13 once again, he says, for, that word for, right? It's an important word. It's a ground clause. He's about to explain. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. The primary purpose of the Sabbath for Israel before it has anything to do with physical rest is to promote spiritual growth in the knowledge of God. By taking one day off in seven, it will foster and cultivate a growing knowledge of Yahweh, right? That's, remember, that, that's the meaning of, of when you see Lord in your Bible in all caps. It's Yahweh coming from Exodus 3.14, when God described himself as the great I am. I am Yahweh. The God who spoke his creation into being. A creation um, that includes men and women who would exist in, in space and time, right? Embodied creatures. And so in giving the instruction of the tabernacle, God set aside a sacred space 
amongst the people of God. And now, in giving the instruction of the Sabbath, God sets aside a sacred time amongst the people of God. The worship of the Lord requires both space and time. And God here sets aside both for his people as a gift for them to grow in their knowledge and relationship with him. A parent's greatest gift to his or her, or her children is their time. Embodied time. Gadgets you give your kids or that you get as kids, you know what, those get old, they end up in a junkyard. The toys you give your children, they get forgotten. Usually far quicker than we like to admit. Devices that we get them, even the real expensive and the newest models, they get discarded, replaced. But time is invaluable and even grows in value over the course of one's life. And so, in all seriousness, this is, this is formative for me, now being a parent of younger children, that I have to recall that when I think back on my childhood, I struggle to remember most, if not all, of the toys and presents I got as a kid. But I do remember and cherish all the more how much time my parents spent with me. The prioritization of time. And the Sabbath is a great gift of time that God gives to Israel for them to set aside, to grow in their knowledge of Him. He who sanctifies them, He who blesses them, who grows them, who purifies them. It is this weekly reminder, week after week after week after week, that God has done a great work, that God has gifted this to us, that God has done it. And God grounds the basis for that in the creative order. Again, verse 17, For it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God modeled rest. Not because he was tired, but to mark that he was finished. And to allow the people of Israel to follow his example and reflect upon the relationship that God has instated, that God instated even in the garden before sin entered the world, space and time. So, so but, but again, why punishable by death, though? Like, for, for Israel and in the Mosaic Law, like, isn't that just, doesn't that kind of ruin it a little bit? Doesn't that make this a little just hotter, a little more extreme? The short answer is no, because God commanded it, and if God commanded it, it's not wrong. But when you set the Sabbath in its context as a gift to the people to remember and grow in their knowledge of Him, a rejection of the Sabbath would indicate a disinterest in God himself. So, so not wanting to take that time meant not caring to know him more. 
So the act of defiling the Sabbath would be an act of cutting themselves off from the Lord. It is their choice. It is their responsibility. It is a rejection of God. And so death in Israel, it would be the path of their own choice. In the same way, God doesn't send people to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. But hell is the self-chosen path for those who reject God and refuse to know Him. So that's number two, the spiritual purpose of rest. But then number three, for Israel, there's also a physical purpose of rest. So picture in your mind with me, picture yourself in Moses' shoes, or by extension, in Bezalel and Aholiab's shoes, when they are told of their roles given to them, commissioned by God himself, that they are to build the tabernacle. I mean, just think about that. God himself told you to build this tent where atonement for sin would be made, where the very presence of God would dwell. Wouldn't you think, if you're Bezalel, okay, nothing else matters now. Discard everything else and let's get to work. And let's not stop until it's complete. Long days, every day. Go, go, go until it's done. We're building the tabernacle, y'all, right? Like, isn't that what they're going to be thinking? And yet, right after the commission, God commands, above all, physical rest. At least in part, to convey to them that they do not have to work all the time in order to glorify God. But in fact, resting well and regularly is very much a part of working hard for the glory of God. They were serving the Lord, constructing the most important building in the history of the world, and yet they needed Sabbath. They needed a day off every week, not only to grow them in their knowledge of God, but also to show them that the most effective, productive workers are those who rest well. Again, verse 17, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This command reveals that six days of work with one day of rest is more effective than seven days of work with no rest. It's the physical purpose of the Sabbath, the secret that less really is more. That taking one day off makes the other six days more productive and useful than seven days of work with no time off. But it's not only useful for themselves, it's also a witness to one another and to the world. Look back at verse 13. It will be a sign amongst your generations. So so resting well is not merely for personal benefit, but it would be one of the primary ways they would pass the knowledge of God to younger generations that are coming up behind them. Think about this, that practicing routine rest is a discipleship tool. 
It would be a way to model faithfulness to God to their children, that their children would see older generations resting well and that that would help them grow in their knowledge of God by their rest. You want to disciple your kids? Rest well. So it's a witness to one another, but it's also a witness to all the nations of the world, right? Going all the way back to God's promise to Abraham that through your family, all the nations of the family will be blessed. I mentioned this when we saw the Sabbath as part of the ten words in Exodus 20, but, but it bears repeating. In the ancient world, Israel was the only kingdom that had a day of rest built into the law of the land. It was so contrary to the human sense, especially in an ancient world. When, when in, in that world, when there's just kind of kingdoms and um, the, the threat of being invaded and overtaken, like you can't let up. That makes you weak. That makes you vulnerable. You always got to be working, strengthening, going. No days off if you want to survive. Yet an entire nation's weekly observance of the Sabbath reminded them and showed all the foreigners looking on, God's in control of this nation. God is sovereignly ruling and reigning, and they can rest because God is God, and they are not. And each week, after a full day off, they would be able to testify, God's still in control. Look at that. The world still spinning, and I didn't even do anything about it. So physical Sabbath points to a love for God, but it doesn't even stop there. It also represents a love for neighbor. Okay, so, so dial in with me here. Um, the Sabbath principles were also applied through all the civic laws of social justice that we uh, saw earlier in chapters 21 to 23. In chapter 21, six years your servants shall work and then be set free. Chapter 23, um, for six years you shall sow your land in the seventh year and let it rest that the poor of your people may eat. Later in chapter 23, six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest so that your ox and donkey may have rest and that the son of your servant woman and the foreigner may be refreshed. The Sabbath was a means to provide and care for the people in society that would otherwise never be cared for. So the, so the civil laws of the land reflected Sabbath principles in order to provide and advocate for the oppressed. That God sees the connection of a Sabbath that not only refreshes Israel, but cares for the least of these within Israel's borders to give them an opportunity to seek justice. Because when they paused from their own work, they first grew in their knowledge and love for God, which inevitably gave them a stirring for the people and the things that God loves and cares about, especially the oppressed. The Sabbath was a gift that enabled a growing love for God and for neighbor, spiritually and physically. So that's what it means for them. That, that, that's what it meant for their original hearers in Exodus 31. The commandment of rest, the spiritual purpose of rest, the physical purpose of rest. And so now we're ready to ask, okay, so what does the Sabbath mean for the church today?
So again, my aim is clarity here. I want to help just kind of clear the fog. So let's start with just some, with just two uh, very quick yes or no questions. Number one, is the Sabbath important for the church today? Yes. Number two, is the Sabbath practiced in the same exact way in the church today as it was for Israel? No. So let's unpack that. The command of a Sabbath matters today because it was rooted in both creation and the Ten Commandments and not just the civil Mosaic law. It had aspects of it that were attached to the civil Mosaic law, as we read in chapters 21 to 23. Its punishment was rooted in the civil Mosaic law, which is not binding today, but it was foundationally rooted in the creation of the world. For in six days God worked, and on the seventh day he rested. And that foundation of Sabbath was set far before even Israel existed as a nation. And it is in the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, which is the overarching moral law for the people of God, for their constitution. So it would be inconsistent to say that the Sabbath is no longer important or binding for the church today, but the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods, is binding. Or the sixth word, that you shall not murder, is binding. All the ten words are either still relevant for the church today or none of them are. And we believe that all of them are. So the Sabbath absolutely matters for the church today. As a moral principle, and we'll dig in more into that, even though its civil practice or punishment or manifestation is different than it was for Israel. But just as the Sabbath was a gift for Israel, with both spiritual and physical implications, we'll now finish by seeing how the Sabbath is also a gift for the church with both spiritual and physical implications. Okay, so hang with me. Now we're going to see, first, how the Sabbath is spiritual rest for the church. God's foundational purpose for his people is that they would grow in their knowledge and delight of him and their knowledge and delight of Yahweh. So before Sabbath is a work thing, it's a love thing. It's a gift to his people to grow in their knowledge of him, knowing that he is our God who is a bottomless well to search who is a, a bottomless well to, to explore and delight in, that we can never get enough of Him. We can never know all of Him. There's always more to search and delight in. This is, was Jesus' view of the Sabbath when the Pharisees were accusing His disciples of working and, and traveling, traveling on the Sabbath day. And that they were breaking all the extra kind of legalistic laws that the Pharisees had put onto the Mosaic law of the Sabbath by that point. And Jesus just says to them, and he kind of clears the fog. He says, you're getting it all wrong. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus clears the fog. 
He says, this is a gift to God's people that they may grow in their knowledge of Him. The Sabbath is a blessing, not a burden. And then He said, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Meaning, not only does Jesus uphold the true meaning of the Sabbath, but He Himself is the Lord of it. He fulfills it by His death and resurrection where He atoned for sin and granted forgiveness in space and time. He released the burden of sin off of His people that we would find our true rest in Him. So to grow in the knowledge of God. When we talk about growing in the knowledge of God today, we mean it is a day to focus on Jesus Christ, on His finished work. This is the connection of Jesus' final words on the cross to the Father's final words at creation. Again, when God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, God said, it is finished. And when Jesus breathed His last, He too said, it is finished. The work of redeeming a fallen creation. The work of dying for the sins of those who believe in Him so that we might rest in Christ. It's a common phrase that we say often to one another to encourage one another to rest in Christ. When we say that phrase, we don't primarily mean physical rest. We mean spiritual rest. That to rest in Christ is a frame of mind. It's a reality to walk in. It's a gift that despite the craziness of the world and our world is crazy, and despite the suffering that we maybe have endured or will endure, that even with all of that being true, we can rest in the finished work of Jesus. The One who said, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Sabbath is a gift because it allows us to focus on Jesus. And then lastly, second, the Sabbath as physical rest for the church. So our staff was discussing this passage at our meeting this past Tuesday. And uh, our children's director, Megan Polanin, um, shared about how uh, just the, the, the word and the concept of Sabbath has, has kind of always been a struggle for her to think about. And, and there's kind of been this low-level guilt that was there. And as she was speaking, you kind of can see everybody else on staff kind of nod their head uh, to this. Um, but, but her, especially with just her situation, right? She's in a household with two full-time working parents, uh, three children, um, age seven and under, including a newly turned one-year-old. And so Sabbath, like, isn't even, like, she told us, like, isn't even on her radar, right? Like, and it feels more like a burden for not doing it than a blessing. And, and, and it's, it, it's not a, a, an opportunity, but just a kind of a command. But in the midst of this, providentially, she had come across um, uh, just a woman that she was following on some sort on social media with some good teaching and this woman put just a question before her that I think lines up with this passage. That what if we view the Sabbath as a gift and not a burden? 
What if the question, do we have to keep the Sabbath in the church today, is the wrong question? But rather, do we get to? And the answer to her, to Megan, to me, to all of us, is a resounding yes. We get to practice and observe the Sabbath as both spiritual and physical rest that will not only bring physical benefit, but spiritual benefit as well. After Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, the early church shifted God's holy day to Sunday from Saturday. That Christ fulfilled the Sabbath and it was established that the church would gather on the first day of the week, the day that Jesus rose from the grave as a day of worship and rest from their work. A tradition that obviously still stands 2,000 years later that across the world Christians gather on the first day of the week. Not in a legalistic way. Not because... We have to, but we get to. We get to gather as God's people to worship Him on the Lord's Day. And obviously for, um, for our staff, like our discussion having it in our staff, like in many professions in the world, like Sunday is a work day in a sense. But even for me, who is working on Sunday, I still, as part of the body of Christ, experience and enjoy it as the Lord's Day, a holy day, a day that is prioritized in space and time for the sake of orienting ourselves towards a greater knowledge and love for Jesus Christ. So let's be sure to affirm that the Sabbath matters today while being careful to not start adding our own legalistic rules all around it that we think everybody else needs to obey it the exact same way we do, and therefore choking it of its divinely designed purpose. But let's be honest, man. Like in our world today, just broadly speaking, like we are in as much a 24-7 world than we ever have been, where it's go, 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 nonstop. You are always connected to work, always connected to one another. It is this just 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where the idea of rest is often associated with weakness. And if you slow down, others will pass you by. Or, or Sunday is now just a second Saturday, very much in our world. Whether it be for work or for sports or for entertainment, it doesn't matter. It's just this carbon copy of Saturday. Same thing now on Sunday. Nothing different about it. And to be honest, I don't, I'm not that concerned about how the world's going to treat it. The world will do what the world will do. But what will the church do? Will we see what they don't? That God designed us to rest, to orient our hearts towards Him in that rest, which in turn will actually make us more productive and more creative and more effective in our actual work the rest of the week. Remember that in God's economy, six days of work and one day of rest that is committed to the Lord is more effective than seven days 
of work. So church, the Sabbath, it's a blessing, not a burden. And I can't answer what your Sabbath needs to look like, nor do I want to try. I can't say what you should be doing on it, because honestly, for everyone, it is a little bit different based on life stage, based on your work and your family situation and everything else. But I can affirm by the Spirit's testimony to the Word that observing and prioritizing Sabbath will orient your focus off yourself and your work and on to Christ. And not only will that bring God the glory, not only that will that refresh your body and soul, but it will be a witness to the generations coming up behind you. It will be a witness to the world that is watching you, and it will orient your heart towards pursuing biblical justice for the oppressed all around you. There is so much collateral benefit when you rest. Yes for you. Yes for your family. Yes for a hurting world around you. When we rest, we fix our eyes on Christ and we walk in a love for God and love for neighbor. The Sabbath is a gift. Receive it. Walk in it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this passage, Lord. We thank you for a reminder, Lord. This is probably not new for many of us, but I pray that what might be new this time is that maybe for the first time, many of us can see the Sabbath as a blessing, not a burden. A gift, not a weight that is put upon us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just guide us in all wisdom of what that might look like for us individually and as a church, that you would grow us in the knowledge of who you are, grow us in the knowledge of what you've done, and that you would use us then to, um, to live out that love for you and love for neighbor in such a way that bears the kingdom of God upon this world. In your name we pray. Amen.